0: hello and welcome back to the chasing wins podcast i'm back with with jim and manu um since we last spoke i believe we've played a bunch of games um steph curry has returned and he's been on a tear lately uh we we reeled off some games without him we went on a little streak there uh And since he came back, we dropped our first, uh, few road games and then, or just first few games in general. And then we ended up, um, winning at home against the Bucks and the Suns. And then the latest game against the Clippers, which was last night on the road, we, uh, we dropped that game. So, uh, but prior to that, we had beat, um, the, the Rockets, the Timberwolves, the Blazers, the Clippers, and the Pelicans on a five-game win streak at home. And he had returned versus the Lakers the following game. Like I said, we dropped a few um, road games, and then um, we had been able to to win a couple games, and then we're back to square one again, where ultimately the team is right now 36-34. and 34. We are currently the sixth seed, so we're still out of the play-in. Um, And if the playoffs started today, we'd play the three-seed Grizzlies in the first round. Um, At this particular moment, we are uh, 13th in offense, I believe, and 17th in defense, and a 14th net rating overall. Um, On the road, our defensive rating is ranked 28th. Or, sorry, 29th, which is worse than the – um, or, sorry, no. It's 28th, which is worse than the, the Hornets. And our uh, defensive rating at home is third, which is better than the Bucks. So I think that's the story of the season so far. Just to encapsulate overall, like, what's been going on, the home road defense is kind of the difference been all year. It shows in the record where we're 7-27 and 27 on the road. And at home, we're 29-7. and seven. Um, And essentially, we we um, have a better defense than the Bucks at home and a worse defense than the Hornets on the road. So that basically encapsulates everything. Um, and I know Manu wanted to speak on the third quarter in particular about last night's game, which kind of um, reinforces that point overall.
1: Yeah, what's up? Um, so this is Steph's forty-fourth quarter where he scored over um twenty, or where he scored twenty or more points in a um in a quarter. And usually, when we see that, um, the Warriors usually go off. Um, uh, twenty-three of those forty-four games, um, sorry, those forty-four quarters, the Warriors have had a plus-minus of ten or more, and they've only had a negative plus-minus for those. In four of those quarters, and that was one of them uh, last night. The Warriors allowed 38 points in the third quarter during Steph's crazy run, which is actually the most they've ever given up during a Curry flurry—at least the 20-point quarter. Um, yeah, so the Warriors have actually been undefeated in the past seven seasons when Stephs recorded a recorded 20 points in a quarter. well If you don't count the Boston game, which was also which was in the finals. So it just goes to show how, um, you know, defense has been pretty messed up, even when Steph has been going off. So even, you know, while while Steph can still work his magic, um, the Warriors have a lot of problems. Steph's magic can't save the Warriors from losses and stuff. So, you know, we need to work on that.
0: Jim, what did you see last night in particular? Um, I know we were discussing some, some stuff about the closing lineups. And Manu made a good point because historically speaking, like we wouldn't be in a position to necessarily need to close a team when Steph has a run like that. But throughout the entire game, especially in the third and fourth quarter, I was like, I kind of knew as great as Steph was scoring the ball and as efficient as he was um, shooting it, I knew it wouldn't make a difference if we weren't going to get stops and string them together. To ultimately pull away and, and and break the lead, and and you know when Steph goes on a run like that, that that historically has been a ten fifteen point lead from a deficit or, or a close game, but that we were in a dogfight the entire night. Um, what'd you see? I know we closed the lineup without Loon, and I and I also felt like Loon, and throughout the year I felt Steve has gone away from Loon a little bit more than he should especially in closing lineups. And he's been tired lately too. He's been exhausted. He's been a lot, a lot has been put on him to be the anchor of this team defensively and rebounding the ball. He, uh, he had a solid stretch in the first half, but you know, on top of that, what did you see throughout the game and especially in the second half?
1: Hmm.
2: So I do think that not playing Looney down the stretch was a huge mistake. I kind of understand in the sense that Looney was not effective as he could have been and he hasn't been as of late from a scoring standpoint. like He's, he's missing a lot of bunnies. He's missing a lot of point-blank stuff. Uh, there is some resistance at the rim uh, when he's there, but these are still makeable shots that he's not converting. And so maybe Kerr feels that uh, they need to go smaller and be more reliable offensively. But it's a different story when Steph Curry has it going the way he had it going last night, right? So you can rely on kind of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and even DiVincenzo to an extent. And uh, make sure that the backbone of your defense is still there to close a game because the biggest problem down the stretch, more than anything, was their inability to grab defensive rebounds. Zubats was just, you know, towering over Draymond. And there's only so much that Draymond can do against certain guys. And Zubats literally, it was just, he just (laughs) jumped right on top of Draymond. There's nothing Draymond can do. Zubats is a very large human being. And so Draymond was kind of on an island with him, and he just couldn't do anything to stop Zubats from grabbing those offensive rebounds. And if you can't grab defensive rebounds, that basically shows that you're incapable of getting stops. Because even if you do get a stop, and then Zubots ends up getting an offensive rebound, that's not a stop. That's another opportunity for the opposition. So it's just like they were never able to get any stops. And so given that obvious factor, there needed to be an adjustment. Looney had to finish this game. And he is their anchor. He is their best rebounder, uh, particularly uh, from that standpoint. He should have been re- battling for those rebounds over Draymond, and that didn't happen. And ultimately, you know that that cost them the game.
0: No, absolutely, and and that was the key throughout the night, which was we allowed sixteen total offensive rebounds, um, and ultimately, we. Um, you know, Russ was involved. I think he had four of them total. It's It was an issue because people want to say that, oh, the defense wasn't the issue because we were, you know, forcing misses and playing good defense from that standpoint, but it was actually the rebounding. But here's the problem, right? The theme all year has been, particularly due to the lack of point of attack defense, uh, Wiggins' absence, etc., we've just we don't have enough bodies out there. So our defense is compromised because we're forced to overhelp. Draymond is put in difficult positions and situations and he has to compensate for the breakdowns that exist on the perimeter. Next thing you know, guys are scrambling, closing out, you know, fighting to for position, but it's too late at that point. Plus we're undersized and it's while we can force the misses, we can't necessarily always secure the rebound. Some games we can't, some games some games we can't. But the point is, is that w- the key to, to correcting this is more more solid uh perimeter defense on the road, like as a team, as a unit, consistently. But also we need our guys back for that. Like there's only so much Dante can do on Kawhi. And he did a good job. It's just one guy 67 240 the other guy's six 64 you know 210 like it's just you're giving stuff up there and again positionally our defense isn't horrible it's it, at times it's bad but it's not awful the problem is is that at there's points in the shot clock where Instead of with six seconds to go, we have to scramble and figure out and and close out and all that stuff. It's like with 13 in the shot clock. And at that point, there's so much time left that they're going to find a seam in the defense. They're going to find a driving lane, kick out to a shooter, get to the rim. And guys are scrambling all over the court. Next thing you know, guys misses a shot because we play okay defense, but the rebounds are available. And they have a second chance points or they have free throws or what have you. So it's it's a connective issue. That's why Steve actually likes Anthony Lamb so much is because Lamb, at least in certain instances, in certain lineups, can nullify some of those breakdowns. But that's the best that we have available at this point until GP2 comes back, who, from all indications, actually should be coming back a week from today um, the 23rd, he's going to be reevaluated. And then I believe the next game he he should play from what I've heard. But outside of that, uh, Wiggins as well as, you know, he's, a, he's, he's one of five. He's one of the five players who are in the best starting lineup in the NBA, not, not starting lineup, best five man unit, which happens to be our starting lineup, but the best five man unit, we're missing 20% of that, which is Wiggins and Wiggins Not only is an elite rebounder when he's locked in, obviously, not every night, but when he's locked in, when the moment calls for it, we saw last year in the playoffs, and throughout this season too, he can lock in at that small forward position, give you 7 to 10 rebounds, but also high-level point-of-attack defense that doesn't allow for those breakdowns and put Draymond in compromising positions, which takes away from his strengths, and also contribute at that front court spot 15 to 20 points, which is huge because we're, we're kind of missing that with Dante. Um, Dante can only do so much as the seven, sixth, seventh man. We need more consistent scoring at that three spot. And right now we're starting a guy who's our seventh spot. And it's just tough because to get that production, you can get away with it some nights, but other nights it's difficult. So it's, it's a balance for sure. Um, and Wiggins and GP 2 hopefully, you know, when they return, it'll I think things will fall into place but until then you have to figure out how to be more solid and and close defensive possessions out and even offensively I felt like we weren't at our best at times but we were okay I thought we were we were good um overall I still felt like the turnovers were were a problem in the first half but ultimately it wasn't the offense that killed us like we shot the ball well we got to the free throw line uh, we could we actually got could have gotten to the free throw line a little bit more, actually. The refs, I didn't love that, how the game was called last night overall. Uh, Steph only had like four or five free throws, but oh, y- there's really nothing you could do about that. Scoring-wise, we put up like damn near 130. Um, yeah, and
2: this is the thing, Dre, is yeah. the Warriors have to overcome a lot of things, especially on the road. Just like you said, when it comes right. to the refs, uh, I think the Clippers got 32 free throw attempts.
0: they did warriors yes
2: warriors got uh 15
0: yeah so i mean we got to the line okay but the clippers got to the line way more
2: way more and steph curry went you know he shot the ball 28 times and went to the line four times that means he got whistled two times to go to the line
0: yeah yeah you should have have probably gotten 9 10 free throws at least those were points
1: 40 and 41 i remember like he had like 40, 41 points with zero free throw attempts. It was like for point number 42 when he took his first free throw.
2: Yeah, this is very conspiratorial, but the refs have consistently done this against Steph Curry uh, and the Warriors. And particularly when Steph Curry is playing versus when he's not playing. This stuff doesn't happen nearly as often or as much when, uh, when Curry is, when he's missed games and he's missed a lot of games. And so... Yeah, this is tough, and but it's a thing. It is definitely one hundred percent a thing, and it's one of those things that the Warriors have to overcome because it hasn't stopped and it's not stopping. It's like the league is against them for whatever reason. It is what it is.
0: It, you know, my theory has always been that it's to compensate for what the Warriors can do in a three minute spurt, and they understand that. Because the Warriors, led by Steph, obviously leading the charge, um, they can get hot and they can put on a run. There needs to be, you know, a cushion for the other team to absorb whatever may be thrown their way. Because um, we've seen it, like we've seen where these calls consecutively, it's just it. It's kind of obvious, right? Because it's not getting called the same way on one end versus the other. Um, And my theory has always been like, especially during the KD years, there's a reason why Steph would pick up two quick fouls in the first quarter more consistently than he did even two years ago in 2021 when we didn't have as much firepower. And, you know, in essence, like, we wouldn't be able to survive without him out there. So next thing you know, the refs aren't calling anything without KD and without when Clay's you know hurt. But now that guys are back and healthy and this team is, you know, capable of going on runs, um, I've always felt like, you know, the refs kind of try to even things out so that the uh, the opposing team can absorb whatever run comes their way. Um, because the Warriors are capable of runs that no other team is. And that's not arrogance, that's just a fact. I mean, look historically. 20-point quarters, Steph Curry leads them in NBA history, the Warriors uh, are one of the greatest third-quarter teams ever, if not the greatest, like, it's a story that doesn't need t- retelling, like, we we kind of all know this, we've been watching basketball the last eight years, so, it's, I don't know, I we can kind of play the guesswork all day, but regardless, I, I what we've all seen is a whistle that's not consistent on both ends, but regardless, I already ran the numbers, by the way, last year in the playoffs. We played 22 games out of those 22 games in the playoffs. 15 of those 22 games, we um, the uh, opposing team had more free throws than us. 15 out of those 22 games. That means that's about 68%. So more than two-thirds of the games uh, in the playoffs last year, the opposing team out uh, shot more free throws than us. And... The seven games that we ended up like ha- shooting more free throws than the opposing team was mostly against like the Nuggets, because and obviously they didn't have like a ton of rim pressure like right. Jordan. Yeah. Jordan was getting to the line all that. So my point is the free throws, while they're an issue, I think it's surmountable. I think the defense to me is more important, but I agree that it is an obstacle you have to overcome. And when you're not playing, when you're not closing out defensive possessions with rebounds and securing these stops, it's difficult to, you know, even on the other end, like you're going to give up some free throws because you're not, you're not getting these rebounds and you got to foul or you got to close out or you got to compensate. And yeah, it makes it I'm difficult.
2: ultimately saying that it's something that they have to overcome. Right.
0: Yeah. absolutely. And
2: to overcome it, you have to be solid in other areas of the game. And obviously, like you said, defensively the warriors I'm, I'm floored by what you said uh in regards to their rating defensively on the road i didn't know it was that bad you say they're 29th which means they're basically the worst defensive so, so team actually
0: i corrected their 28th They're 28th.
2: 28th same shit yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah they're the worst
0: but like, and and by the way that's worse than the so they're 28th ranked of defense on the road about 120 defensive rating that's worse than the pistons then the Hawks, then the Hornets.
2: Who's who's uh, who are the two worst teams?
0: The Spurs People. and the Rockets.
2: Ah, okay.
0: And they're cr- they've cracked over one hundred and twenty, damn near one hundred and twenty-one. We're yeah. we're like a we're like a smidge under one hundred and twenty.
2: So let's talk about you know some of the and then and
0: jokes. then I also would like to point out by the way net rating, net rating is kind of the difference between uh, offensive rating, defensive rating. We are the fourth worst. Net rating in terms of road, in terms of road net rating, um, at a minus seven net rating on the road, which is worse than the Hornets, the Magic, the you know, the Jazz, the you know, whoever. And the three teams worse than us are the Pistons, the Rockets, and the Spurs. But we are the four, we, we are ranked 27th in net rating on the road by the way so
2: so so i'm gonna talk about a few a a couple of things that are a key issues for their defense uh first of all defense and rebounding is obvious right they gave up 15 last night and or 16 rather and they gave up uh 22 points off of it you know it was mostly like a six point game down the stretch it was a close game imagine if they actually grabbed their rebounds, like they're supposed to, and didn't give up the all these second chance opportunity points. You know, it would it would be a completely different game, right? And so, defensively speaking, if you can't grab rebounds, I mean, you're you're giving up the integrity of your defense in that way, uh, and that's why closing lineups require a team that that has every guy in position to be able to rebound soundly. Right? Without that, you're kind of broken in some way, uh, in a major way. Because even if you do get a stop, if you can't get that rebound, then you haven't actually gotten a stop. And you have to play that possession all over again. And that is mentally exhausting. You just can't have those lapses. And the Warriors, it looks like they gave up eight offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. And that is just... It's hard to win a game that way. Right? So... um, yeah, that's you know, a, a real team and a contending team and a championship caliber team don't have these issues. And part of it is part yeah. of it is created by the coach himself by putting out these lineups where you're playing small. And so you know St- Steph Curry said after the game uh, last night, uh, let me see what he said. Uh, he said they're already, in regards to the clippers, they're already a talented team if you give them extra opportunities that's never good which is what we're speaking on right now we are undersized due to guys that are out which is true Wiggins is out and that's a factor so we are, and obviously Iguodala is now out too which is super unfortunate because defensively he absolutely makes an impact
0: yes and yes, they
2: really miss him and uh, again they're missing that 15th guy even uh, a guy like Lamb and not that he's a great rebounder himself but like you said he there are some positives to playing a guy like that versus not having him at all. And so yes, they are they are missing guys. But he Curry essentially said that we have to play bigger than what our stature is and we didn't do enough of that. And that was kind of his post game analysis. And it's true. If you play Three guard lineups for stretches—that's uh, gonna hurt the team. Uh, if you play too small down the stretch, that's gonna hurt the team. You play Kuminga at power forward. I understand that he, you know, did a good job out in the perimeter against guys like Kawhi and Paul George. But if he's playing power forward, then who's getting that rebound? Right? You 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 have a center and a power forward uh, that is backlining your defense and is back there to consistently grab rebounds. But if one of them is constantly out in the perimeter, how do you expect that guy to get the rebounds, right? And Kuminga is, he's just not a good rebounder to begin with. He's a, um, for a small forward, he's not a, he's not a, he's probably below league average standards. And then you put him at a bigger position at power forward. It's a problem. And this is something that I've consistently kind of talked about. And especially, in a night like last night, when they kept giving up offensive rebounds, that's not the time. That's not the time to go small. If anything, you if you want to play Kuminga that much, then have Draymond at power forward and have Kaminga a small forward. Dante was a little bit small for you know last night's game, so it's okay to make those adjustments when necessary, so that uh, your you know defensive integrity st- stays intact. And they didn't do that, and so
0: I will say Kaminga. I agree. I I do, I do think. As a rebounder, it's something that he's going to have to key in on and and improve on as his career goes on. But I will say that this year, I think he's taken a bit of a step. Um, Like There was a stretch in um, that homestand where he had five rebounds, three, seven, seven, and then six on the road against the Lakers. didn't have a great game against the Lakers, but even the two games against the Clippers and Pelicans, he had seven rebounds in both games in about 30 minutes. And
2: okay, so he plays better at home, but last agree, night, yeah, yeah. Zero, yeah. zero rebounds.
0: No, no, zero. yeah, you're right, you're right. And, and that's what I'm saying minutes. is that I think last season, he was just not a good rebounder kind of period, but this year he is up and down. And at least that's a positive thing, but it's not enough at this point. We still need a guy like Wiggins out there who we know is more consistent, even GP2. GP2 has giving you three, three, four rebounds at least in around 20 minutes of play at At a smaller position, like uh, in terms of just his stature, um, in, in a smaller frame rather. So I get, yeah, you're 100 percent right. Kaminga, as as good as Kaminga is, and we know what he is with the 45 cuts, the ghost cuts, the lob threat, the transition opportunities, uh, the occasional jumpers, the free throw line, the rim pressure, all that stuff. But he does give up things on the other end, um, whether it be you know defensive miscues or some some rebounding issues but you're right um
2: this isn't a criticism on Kuminga this is the fact that Kerr put out a lineup that put the team in position to fail because he's going too small he's constantly and consistently going too small
1: uh, across the board
0: I will say that and I agree with you that last night um throughout especially the fourth quarter especially like and I know I think Looney did start the fourth quarter quarter but I might be wrong with that he did but he did Early I feel on, did. like I feel like um he should have arrested loon for about three four minutes and then just closed with him because um not even because you know we can all do hindsight is 2020 and Monday morning quarterback it and say oh we gave up all these rebounds all that it's not even that it's more so from a solid like just like look at loons impact numbers throughout the season I mean he's just a clear positive Having a guy out there who can set screens, um, roll to the rim, make decisions with the ball um, offensively, and then defensively switch out on the perimeter, secure rebounds, uh, just be an anchor, deter some shots at the rim. Now, does he have weaknesses? Has he been uh, gassed out as of late? Yeah, he's been been asked to do a lot. His workload has increased, but I still think he would have been the best option out there regardless of whether the Clippers rebounded the ball or not the way they had, um, it's just, I just think X's and O's and schematically, that's your best guy that you could put out there and you just got to put him out there.
2: It reminded me of last year's playoffs when Steph Curry and Draymond had to go to the coaching staff and basically beg them to play Draymond instead of Kuminga in the starting lineup. You remember that?
0: I do. I do. No, you're right. Even when closing, that was against the the Grizzlies.
2: Yes, yes, and that's how they were able to overcome uh, the problems they had. Seven
0: points, he had seven points and twenty two rebounds in that game. By the way, yeah.
2: So, so rebounding again, rebounding size and these things are a factor from a defense. And and you
0: know what? I wouldn't even say I when I when we say size, I think it's more perimeter size than than um, interior size because yeah, like interior size helps, but when you don't have like wig if you have wiggins and gp2 out there that's perimeter size that's that's perimeter play defensively and that's all you really need to secure the to man, to to man the fort um and then the rest is up to Draymond and Loon and and Wiggins uh obviously he'll put that effort in when the time calls for it and the guards can help out but what i'm saying is all these breakdowns on the perimeter are leading to Open threes and open lanes and second chance points due to offensive rebounds because where nobody's in position after you know and you know certain breakdowns happen mid mid play and so like even uh, there's a stat by um, Zach Cram of the of the Ringer who said essentially three point shooting is the genesis of their road issues. Um, at home, the Warriors allow thirty-two point four percent three-point percentage. Remember, that's at home. And then on the road, a forty-point seven three-point percentage allowed. I just went
1: up to forty-point eight last night.
0: Forty-point. It's
1: actually um, second second worst in the league, um, only trailing the Spurs, the tanking Spurs. Um, and that's even worse in the fourth quarter, where the fourth quarter is worse um, than any other quarter at forty-one point seven percent.
0: Wow. Yeah, and and the difference is minus 8.3%, is 8.8% drop off. Um it's an 8% drop off from from home to road defense in terms of three-point percentage allowed. Like Manu said, second worst to the Spurs and then it increases by a full percentage point. Um in the fourth quarter that to me is I mean that's not and 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 by the way, like rebounding and and all that and you want to be able to man the forward and and take care of the driving lanes and all that but that's fine but ultimately the breakdowns are happening on the perimeter and that's where they're starting and i you know Wiggins because he's missed so many games uh, and and a lot of them have been on the road and and gp2 hasn't been available either like a lot of what we see in the road record can be attributed to that in my opinion I think it's more reflective of the absence of perimeter de- defenders that we have on the team just haven't been available as opposed to this incapability um, of being able to secure uh, stops and, and and play defense at a high level. Because even look at the game against the Celtics. Even though we lost on the road, that was a, a couple months ago, but we played a really good defensive game against one of the top offensives on the road. And I know we lost that game; we couldn't close it out for whatever reason. Um, I know Jordan closed that lineup, and we can just we can have those discussions as to you know what what should have been done differently. But we played a good defensive game for about three point nine quarters out of the four, so it can be done. We've seen it with Wiggins out there, and then when GP two comes back, we know what he's capable of um, as one of the top three point of attack guys in the NBA, being able to just shut. Uh, shut the water off of whoever's in front of him. Stay solid. Not need help defense. Not need any overhelping, um, and compromising the integrity like like you say, Jim, of you know, positional defense one through five, um, and it allows for rebounds and leakouts and transition opportunities as well, which helps our offense. So it's the whole connectivity uh issue from from start from top to bottom, and ultimately, uh. Yeah, I mean it's going to be difficult to overcome this until we get our guys back, or we're gonna ha- we need the an increased level of play. Um, Manu, do you uh you have anything to add on that?
1: Yeah, so um so basically um the whole minus sorry the road three point percentage minus the road opposing three point percentage is at its worst in the last ten years, not counting the twenty nineteen twenty season from 2012 to 2013 to 2018 to 19 as well as the 20, as well as last season the warriors were always at a positive especially in 2015-16 where they shot 7.3% better from 3 on the road than their opponents 2019 that was 5.1 2015 that was 4.7 they were all positive except for uh 2021 which was a negative but that was just negative 0.4 and this season, it's a negative two point six percent differential between the um, between the opponents' three point percentage and our three point percentage, which is the, pretty much the worst in the last ten years, by far. Not counting um, the tank season the season where we were injured, so it just goes to show how crazy, um, you know, how crazy we're allowing them to shoot, and it's it's been it's been bad.
0: So with that stat, was that is that regarding the um? you said home road splits or in-
1: sorry um no it was just road um this is um basically our 3 point percentages compared to the opponents
0: okay 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 oh i see i see okay yeah yeah, yeah. that makes sense yep. yeah yeah i mean that's i mean when you extrapolate those percentages over the attempts because teams are just taking a bunch of threes now 40 50 threes a night like yeah that it adds up it adds up and then next thing you know you're you're out shot on the road by three, four, six, eight threes. And, you know, that's a minus 24 at in that department. Difficult to overcome, especially on the road. And we're also a team that turns the ball over. We're also a team that, um, you know, may have offensive lulls. And it's difficult to, uh, you know, the gap, I, I think the margin for error this year, and it was kind of, apparent to me from and that was that was the buzzword I was using the first few months of the season because it was apparent to me that we had very slim margin for error especially compared to last year based on the flow all, of the all game the now yeah yeah like it's it's very I mean I've been I noticed this since the first month of the season like it didn't it didn't take a ton of games to see that so you know um like you I said like is. what's up
2: you know why there's a margin of margin for error, no margin for error from the get go, is due to
1: the lack of depth in their rotation.
0: I agree with that too. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah, because
1: yeah. early on, like we, I mean, look, even even if you look at the stats now, the Warriors' traditional starting five still have like the best net rating in the league. And I remember mm-hmm. early on those games against Orlando and uh, what was it Detroit or Charlotte and stuff. Once we yeah. subbed them out, um. <laughs> Uh, The bench unit just tanked it up. Um, It it was crazy. Um, Yeah, so it's been very apparent since the first month. And another stat, actually, um, in those last 10 seasons, the Warriors um, have never given up over 40% from three um, on the road. So this is, like, even crazier than it was. Um, The Warriors are, which is funny, um, because they're actually shooting better from three this season than they are in 2014 to 15, when they first won the championship, so in a you know relative sense, the Warriors have been defending pretty bad from from deep. Yeah, I was so saying. You... I was so... saying. Um, Go ahead,
0: I, No, yeah, I know. I said in a earlier podcast like that the that the uh, the league caught up from an 82 game standpoint, and I and I do believe that that reigns true. Like I, that was an observation I made a couple months ago, and we can argue like injuries and. And, and depth and coaching and all this. But at the end of the day, like the league in twenty fifteen is not what it is now. Teams shoot threes at a at a variance exists at a higher clip. Um your skill level is just up. You got dudes who can put up twenty off the bench consistently, night in, night out. It's just difficult. So you have to be a really good you know, look at the Bucks, man. The Bucks, I think I, I was like looking at some numbers early in the morning. Out of like the last five seasons, they've been the number one defense three out of the last five seasons. Not like a top five or a top ten. They've been the number one defense three out of the last five seasons. This season, their home road splits are damn near top five. I mean, they're top five, literally. I mean, at at on the road, they're like a top—or sorry, at home, they're a top four defensive team. And on the road, I think they're the best. They're number one. So my point is, is that you need consistency— and, and and on both ends, you need connectivity, and we don't have that. And part of that, like Jim said, is personnel. Uh, what were you going to say, Jim?
2: So you know, I, I started off this whole thing uh, to talk about their defense, their key defensive issues, and you guys have really touched on it. And that is their inability to guard uh, out in the perimeter, and that's not a size factor. That is a scheme factor. If you're the worst defensive team in the league on the road that is a scheme issue that is not a personnel issue because they have personnel to be able to play defense they've shown it at home uh so the fact that they can't do it on the road something is wrong there right and the fact that they're giving up what nearly 41 percent shooting from the three that's completely and utterly unacceptable that means oftentimes they're leaving guys wide open and oftentimes they will pack the paint even for no good reason Guys will just overhelp needlessly uh, and leave their guy wide open, and that's how all these other teams are getting great looks, you know, uh, from the three point line. That's why they're making it. It's not coincidentally. Oh, they're just on fire every time they play the Warriors. That's not what it is. And yeah, you know, okay. So Marcus Thompson also pointed this out last night. Uh, he said that the Warriors are one in seventeen when allowing fifteen plus threes on the road. I mean, there's a giant trend here. This is a defensive scheme issue. I think this is where you really miss the presence of Mike Brown, who knew what he was doing defensively. The guy... Okay, so last year, I believe they were tied for number one as the best kind of three-point defensive team in the league. All right. This year, I believe they're around 17th. I mean, that that's a gigantic difference. You know, go from the first to like middle of the worst than mediocre, basically. And that, that's basically their, their scheme right now is to pack the paint, defend the paint, and leave the perimeter guys wide open. Even Russell Westbrook had two threes because he was wide open. And I understand that it worked at home, but on the road, it did not work. And you just can't leave NBA players wide open like that consistently and expect that they're just gonna miss it. So like that's just, that's a bad defensive scheme.
0: I do think I do think um the scheme has been here's the thing. So on drives, they don't trust each other because there's an undersized thing, right? If you're starting Dante at the three and then you got Steph out there and then you got they started Pool for a series of games. So it's like you're instinct is to overhelp, especially if you're Draymond Green and you understand, like, you're going to, uh, you know, you're putting your guards in compromising positions to guard um, other elite players one, one-on-one, trying to stop them at the rim. It's difficult to contain that. So he's overhelping to cut off the drive, which leads to kickouts and open threes. So to me, like last season, I think the biggest difference, and Scheme... I I do think the scheme looks worse than it is when you don't have dudes available because Wiggins played 73 games last year. This season he's played 37. GP2 played 71 games last year. This year he's played 0. Now, I do think I agree like on the road versus at home this year. I do think like there's something to be said about well, how come, you know, you can get the job done at home but you can't get it done on the road? Schematically, I think on the road maybe you you should be a little bit more conservative with you know how you overhelp and there's certain things that you may have to tweak for sure. Like no, I don't think t- teams play exactly the same. Understanding that role players play a little different and other teams shoot better and whatnot. All that stuff is true, but I think by and large it's not about it's about a lack of perimeter size because if we had if dante was 68 i don't think draymond would be overhelping as much if 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 jordan Poole was you know a better defender if if he was if he could stay in front of his man and not foul as much and not and, and be trusted from that standpoint i don't think looney and all these guys would have to skew and slant their defense so so as to overhelp and lead to ultimate breakdowns um which leads to rotations and scrambling so schematically The scheme, I just think it's even against Dallas in the playoffs last year, we were kind of doing the same thing. We're just leaving dudes open, helping off, helping on the uh, Luka drives, but we kind of had sound rotations like, uh, like Otto. I know he missed a couple games there, but we mostly, Wiggins and, and, and all these dudes, Steph, Draymond, we were rotating with ease, but Wiggins was a bit, was a big piece of that. And, and GP2 as well in, against Boston, um, Rewatching those games, which I did a couple weeks ago. Um, So, yeah, I just think once we get our guys back, I think a lot of this will be cleaned up. I don't know about all of it. I still think part of it's ingrained at this point. So we'll see. I I hope we can get about five, six games in with the whole team uh, to close the year off because we do need a little bit of run, you know, leading up to the playoffs. Um, I want to preview. We have another dozen games to go in the season. We're 70 games in, 70. We had another twelve to go. Um, let's look at like so. I was kind of I've been kind of scouting this about like where we're gonna end up and what our matchups gonna be. Ideally, so if we are the six seed, we're gonna either play likely the the Kings or the Grizzlies. If we fall into the four or five seed, we're probably gonna play the Suns or the Clippers. Um, and then eventually, you know, the Nuggets are probably going to keep the one seed. So after that series, we play the Nuggets in the second round and then the winner of whoever, uh, in the two, seven, three, six matchup in the, in the conference finals. But I'm curious, like, is there a particular seed you guys, I know, obviously you don't want to drop games to like force a seed and try to drop to a particular seed, obviously. But is there like looking ahead? Cause we only have another 12 games to go. Um, We play the Hawks on the road tomorrow. Then we play the Grizzlies on the road on a back-to-back, our final back-to-back of the season. Then we play the Rockets on the road, the Mavericks on the road. Then we play the Sixers at home, Timberwolves at home, Pelicans at home, uh, Spurs at home. Then we play the Nuggets on the road, the Thunder at home, the Kings on the road, and then we close out the season with the Blazers on the road. And I think we can chalk, chalk up, like, six, seven wins easily, like, out of the next 12. The question is if we'll get, like, eight or nine. So what do you guys think looking ahead? Um, do you think, you know, what seed do you think we're going to get? Is there a particular seed that you guys want us to get? And then how many wins of the next 12 do you think we will secure? What do you think, Manu? Um. Well,
1: honestly – in my opinion, I feel like we just we should just win as much as we possibly can because the, um, because we're literally a game away from you know the play in. I at all costs I want to avoid the play in just because, you know, two games could mean anything, and you know we've seen that a couple of years ago. I just don't want to fall into that again. Um, I think if if we can just um as long as we're healthy and as long as we're able to find a way to make it six and higher. I think you know. I think I like her chances. Um, I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with being the sixth seed if, if it means you know us being healthy, us you know maybe like taking like a game to rest on of our guys or something like that. I know it's must win, but as long as we secure a true playoff spot, like a non in spot, I'll be pretty content, um, honestly. And I think you know. I mean, yeah, it does look preferable to like to like the Kings or the Grizzlies. Rather than someone like the Suns or the Clippers, I mean that's a much nicer side of the bracket. But I feel like we should also try to win um, at all costs. I mean, as much as we can. Because I remember um, the Bucks when they when they tanked that last game to avoid playing the Nets. Um, I, I just want that winning mentality. I don't want the Dubs to be you know intentionally trying not to throw a game. I mean, they probably won't anyway. But um, you know as long as we keep winning. Finding a way to win, um, as high as we as high as a seed as we can possibly be, I'll be happy with that. As long as we don't make the play, as long as we're not in the play-in, we're fine.
0: I I definitely agree with that approach. And then I know I listed off those those games. Do you think so? That's twelve games. I think I can pencil in, and I don't want to. I hate using that word because you can never pencil in anything really. But let's just say if we're projecting, I think I could pencil in seven games, seven wins out of the next twelve, uh, at least which would put us at 43 wins on the season. Um, Do you think, like, I don't know, do you, like, I think the hardest games are going to be the Grizzlies, the Mavs on the road, the Nuggets on the road, and the Kings on the road, obviously. But um, how do you see, like, do you think we'll go, just like like a soft prediction, like, do you think we'll win? I think eight, nine games is not out of the question, but I think seven games for sure is a lock, so... What do you think like to close out the year our record will be and how many wins we'll secure? Um, I mean, I don't usually like predicting
1: how many wins we'll get because i' am, I'm always scared that I might jinx it, but um, I think I think if we're able to hopefully, just as long as we're above five hundred, because I feel like given um, given the standings, I mean, obviously it depends on circumstance, but this year is like very different with everyone being like hovering around five hundred, if we end up above five hundred, gaining like what uh 43 44 wins end which is i think seven or eight out of the 12 i think i'll be pretty happy with that um i think a bunch of our games um after this road trip will be like at home so it's like we have four more on the road i think and then four more at home and then uh i'm trying to pull up the schedule real quick but um i know it's like i we need up, to moderate. just capitalize Yeah, I think you're,
0: you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, shit.
1: Um, can you guys hear me? Oh, shit. Okay, so...
2: Uh, Dre, I, I will give you my thoughts on this. Uh, uh, yeah. You're breaking up a little bit. Um, so the Warriors have lost nine straight road games. Right? Uh, right now, for me... Yeah, there's 12 games left, but there's a lot of things that can still happen uh, in terms of even just GP2 coming back. And when news breaks that he will come back and they let us know when he will come back, uh, that will change things, right? So we we don't know how things will shake up, but they have a pl- problem on the road. They haven't won a single game in God knows how long. And they have four road games coming up right now and the first one is going to be probably without Draymond because he just picked up his 16th technical he's probably going to get suspended for that game and so you're missing your defensive backbone going into Atlanta you're already off to a very bad start Uh, and so for me more than more than anything they need to change up their schemes I understand that you think having other guys available and such will make a difference and yes I agree with you but they've been bad on the road even with guys like Andrew Wiggins in their in their rotation and so they need to change this up they're allowing too many 3 point shots they're allowing they're overhelping like these are bad defensive principles when you decide to just overhelp immediately without any kind of circumstance or realization of who is the one guarding in the perimeter. Um, there's you have to have a sense of trust before you decide to send that help because you help when it's necessary, not by principle and automatically regardless of the situation. That's where your defense can break down and apart. This is defensive IQ, right? Uh, you just can't you know you just can't leave your man. And expect that the defense will recover like that with a team like this. And so you have to hold guys accountable and responsible for their individual play. And if they can't do that, then... So if they can't do that, then that is a fundamental issue that they're not resolving and hoping that it will somehow magically go away. You know, they've been doing the same thing all season long. You can't suddenly expect them to be different uh, while still doing the same thing. Right.
0: No, I agree. Um, that's that, those are all good points and, and that's all fair. Um, Manu, do you have any, uh, final thoughts to close it out?
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at the schedule here. Uh, sorry for breaking up a bit, um, wife, I got messed up for a sec. Um, so, So we have four, next four games on the road, next four games at home. Road, home, road, road. That's how we finish it off. I'm looking at the schedule and I I think winning eight or nine is possible. I do really think that. Um, I don't know if we'll get there, but it's very much possible. Um, I think we, I don't expect to win the majority of the next four road games. Probably like, you know, two to a best. At best, but you know, given our like road stretch, one three is probably like likely, or hopefully not so <laughs> for. But um, Houston's one of them, so we better win that. Um, so I I just think I just think that last that last those last four games are pretty critical. And obviously, if we you know win or lose those games, that'll change, cause shifts in the standing. So I think as long as we capitalize on those last four games, because three are on the road. One again, one against Denver on the road. One against Sac on the road. That's those are two big tests because that's seed number one and two. If we can find a way to win, like at least one of those, I'll I'll be happy with um how you know I'll be happy with um our chances like going forward. I think hopefully like we're more equipped now. I just want to be able to finish strong with this um, roster with this lineup. Um, as long as we finish strong and if we win more than half of our games, hopefully eight, nine of those games, I think we can win. But, you know, dep- depends on if we're healthy or not. But hopefully GP2 comes back and he fits seamlessly. Hopefully, you know, whatever Wiggins is going through, hopefully he's okay. Obviously, no no rush. We're, we shouldn't expect him to, to you know, we shouldn't demand to, you know, come back and stuff. But um, uh, I'm rambling a bit. But I think, you know, to fi- as long as we're able to finish the season strong i think we'll be okay um, if we if we I drop agree. a few sorry
0: no you go you good no yeah. i agree finishing strong is is the key and uh yep. having i think gp2 is going to be back around next week if not a little bit later but he'll be back soon and with wiggins you know obviously he'll take his time and and he'll come back uh mm-hmm. whenever whenever he's uh a bit ready and and that's yep. that's uh we're not, we're not even worried about that right now, but.
2: Um, right. I just want to make a couple yeah. of points before we close it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Number one, they need to come to a resolution in regards to that 15th spot. Andre Iguodala is also now probably done for the season, right? That's another kind of hopefully a reliable piece. That's what we were thinking. That is no longer going to be the case. And so they need to find a way to bolster Uh, whatever is left of this roster, right? So they need to bring back Lamb. If, if, you know, if if they're going to have to rely on Jermichael Green going into the playoffs as their primary big, that's a problem. I I think we've kind of established that, especially on the road, right? So, and again, if you want to be a championship level team, you have to be defensively solid. You have to be defensively sound, and you need as many guys like that as possible. And, as much as Jermichael Green can provide spacing and shooting, he doesn't provide on the other end of the floor. That's why he—you'll never see him in a closing lineup in a closing situation, because the team knows that he can't—he's not reliable in that regard. And so, get Lamb back, uh, and also give—I'm going to say this again—give Nerlens Noel a look because the Nets just dropped him. Uh, He—I guess he signed a 10-day contract with them, and they're not re-signing him. That means he's available again. And the Warriors can do the same. They can sign him to a 10-day contract and try him out at the very least. There is nothing to lose. If he doesn't work out, then drop him in 10 days, right? But a game like last night where they can't grab rebounds, they, they can't, you know, there's no paint protection, anything like that. This is a guy that can provide those things in short bursts and stretches. And those stretches can help alleviate a lot for a guy like Looney and Draymond. And they've been kind of looking for a piece like that. And he's just available. He's free. And so there really is nothing to lose. If he doesn't work out. Then he doesn't work out. That's okay. But at least the Warriors will have tried. To bolster their lineup in some way. They can't just let it sit as is. And expect things to just magically change. Right? So that's that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is. Two years ago when the Warriors were desperate to kind of make a run, they went with a Curry-centric offense. And the Warriors need to go back to that. Because last, even last night, you know, Curry had 50 points. He went off, right? But he started going off kind of in the second half where he took over and he kind of just, you know, he abandoned their regular offense in order to do so. And instead of have instead of having him do this where he's just like, I'm gonna go off. I'm gonna just, you know, go rogue. Instead of doing that, why don't you just prioritize him from the get-go? This is how they went on that fifteen and six run to end their season two years ago. Going curry centric, going curry centric offense. They didn't even have clay. And they ran an eight man rotation, which included JTA and Michael Mulder. And despite that, they still went on a 15 and six run to end the season. That's the kind of run that they need to go on now. The time to go that the time the time to play playoff rotations and playoff schemes is now. They should have won last night's game. They needed to win that game because it was against a rival in the standings. You know, they, they were tied for that fifth seed with the Clippers and they lost it, and now they're a full game back because of that. They needed to win that game and they had other ways to play in order to win it, and they didn't start that early enough. And so they need to kind of, you know, Kerr needs to, whatever he needs to do, shorten the rotation, uh, play playoff schemes. Like, why didn't you play uh, pick and roll and get Zubats out of there from the get-go? Isn't that what they would do in the playoffs? Because Zubats made a major presence in the game last night. And the Warriors, they could play a style that forces the other team to adjust to them Instead of the other way around.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes, facts. They were spamming that picket on the third and it was working like crazy.
0: Yeah. No, you yeah, got
2: so right. so don't don't take any quarter for granted. Start early and right away and hit other teams in the mouth first with your own tactics instead of trying to constantly adjust to what the other team is doing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Because, like, the Warriors gave up 11 offensive rebounds in the second half. Imagine, imagine taking Zubac out of that equation just because, you know, Steph is killing it, so it uh, forcing him to switch on Steph and stuff. So, no, I agree with both points, uh, Jim said. Um, that's why I was so pissed that um, we weren't able to get Jared Vanderbilt at the deadline because he really provides that, you know, um, that – like kind of like power forward that, that, we, that we really need who can play center at times can like you know he's also sometimes a small forward like he can he's flexible and versatile so you know missing out on him like pissed me off a lot so yeah like you said even the Netherlands Noel well type guy if we you know at least try i think you know we might you know this might this might work and again this as well this very centric offense like you mentioned yeah from the get-go because we need we just need to do what we did like in the finals, like in late twenty twenty one season, because um, that that's just worked. And we can't you know stray away from that, especially now because we need to win. We could have gotten the tiebreaker tiebreaker against the Clippers last night, but we didn't. so that's gonna hurt us if we are tied with them. So you know these next twelve games are just super, super crucial, more crucial than you know any other like playoff race we've had in the last how many years. This is like the 2008 season all over again, uh, when you know we lost the Nuggets the last day that we're out, we're out of the playoffs right after, something like that. So we, this is just insanely crucial. We finish strong like we did two years ago. I like our chances because that would probably mean we're out, we're out of the play-in. So we just need to finish strong, and um, and I think we'll be fine.
2: Yeah, play through Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Make Draymond a secondary play finisher instead of the initiator when they play this traffic cop Draymond offense. And his passes are just so telegraphed half the time; like they know where the pass is going, they know what he's gonna do, which is to pass, because they know he's not looking to score. So it makes their offense very limited in some ways for different stretches of the game. It's time to go to you know the guys that are the best for their offense, which is Stephen Clay first and foremost.
0: No, I 100 agree, guys. Um, I appreciate you guys for being here. Um, I know we hadn't had an episode in a few weeks, and uh, we'll we'll definitely do one next week or the week after. We'll figure that out depending on how it goes because we'll we'll have about two, three, four, yeah, about four or five games. So we'll see where where we are. Maybe I'll wait till the six game mark, um, and then we'll do something there. But I appreciate you guys for coming um, and giving your thoughts. I thought we touched on a lot of good points. And um, I appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, Support means a lot, obviously. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.